0: Empire. the olympics are coming every two years which is why nbc wants to be ahead of the curve
1: and they said hey you guys have varying degrees of expertise in this we're open to any and all ideas and so if you look at those eight investment areas we um, we have expertise in probably
0: six of those. That's Jenna Carath, head of Comcast NBC Universal's Sports Tech Accelerator, where innovation meets presentation. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. NBC has been the home to the Olympic Games for decades now, so they understand multiple disciplines and, of course, storytelling. But in modern times, with modern consumption and modern science, the athletes aren't the only ones getting better, the viewers are too. They're more discerning and they're savvy. So being ahead of the game only made sense in every way possible. Our guest this week is Jetta Karath, who's the head of Comcast NBC Universal Sports Tech Accelerator, which is a group that is a 12-week program that's going to pair a bunch of startups with experts from their Olympic organizations, NASCAR Golf, NBC Sports, Comcast Spectator, which is, of course, the home to the Philadelphia Flyers, and a number of esports content as well. Hi, Jetta How are you? Nice to speak with you.
1: It's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me on.
0: Tell me a little bit about the genesis of the sports tech accelerator with Comcast. Why did you guys want to do it?
1: Well, even in your tee up, you articulated it great. It is clear that our company, our investment, our roots in sports runs really deep. Um, You need only look at the 7.6 billion that we paid for the Olympic rights to bring those stories to life. And so when it came to, Comcast to NBC Sports Tech, it really started with a problem. It was identified way back in, I believe it was the 2017 or 2018, I take that back, where the, when it was the USOC at the time, basically shared with a number of the large sponsorship um, companies within uh, the organization and said, hey, we have this innovation gap when it comes to medical and rehabilitation, and those types of things. We are the country that others come to to look at as the example. But when it comes to true tech, that's doing everything to help our athletes on their path to the podium. We, you know, countries like Ireland run circles around us. And so they identified eight different investment or uh, innovation gaps. And it was everything from drone technology to intelligent video to data analytics. And they said, hey, you guys have varying degrees of expertise in this. We're open to any and all ideas. And so if you look at those eight investment areas, we um, we have expertise in probably six of those. And so they invited us to the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs and said, hey, give us your ideas. And one of them was, let us stand up an innovation engine mm. that runs for, during and after the Olympics. And, and so That's really the genesis of where this is born.
0: And and for you and your group, like what is a good candidate for you? So, cause here's the Olympics coming to you and other sports properties coming to you saying, I think this would work for you. But as you guys thought through then, okay, we're going to pair up with these particular startups. What was attractive about them?
1: So really the startups that we're looking at, it's really driven by the innovation needs and priorities of our sports partners. So you talked about, you know, within our portfolios at NBC Sports and Sky Sports and golf. Um, you have Spectacor. We own teams where Business businesses in 144 stadiums providing connectivity and advanced security, all of those things. So it's really driven by what their innovation needs are. And then our external sports partner, we chose them really intentionally because it builds off of our sports media rights. It builds off of our broadcast relationships where we have invested uh, sponsorship dollars. You know, you look at NASCAR, we broadcast the second half or the back half of the season, with a 10-year title sponsorship with them as well. Uh, PGA Tour, close relationship, obviously, with the Golf Channel, Comcast Business just created a 10-year title sponsorship with them as well. So we work closely with them. We know they play well in the sandbox. And then same thing with the three Olympic teams that we chose with USA Swimming and USA Ski and Snowboard, our Xfinity sponsorship team invest and doubles down as and sponsors Team USA athletes there. And then USA Cycling, just a really data-driven sport in general. And so those were ones that we knew if we bumped up all of those sports brands together, you know, billion-dollar businesses in their own right, that it would become the beacon that would draw the best startups from around the world to apply. And it is across our eight strategic investment areas. So that's everything from... Media and entertainment, athlete and player performance, venue and event innovation, all of the areas where we really need to be pushing the envelope. And so sports tech really became this bridge of hey, why aren't we the country? You know, in the US, they have the highest concentration of startups. We should be um, building those bridges. And so I think Comcast and DCU Sports Tech, the way that we are investing in and in developing the next great sports technologies it's to do just that, to create that bridge. And it's going to translate into new and innovative athlete performance capabilities, new fan engagement opportunities. So it's really about bringing fans a more immersive um, experience that brings them closer to the game, closer to the moments that matter. And sports always delivers truly those inspiring moments that matter.
0: Does Comcast, NBC Universal then become um, uh, equity owners in these companies, or, or are you just running a, an accelerator and then? offering them, obviously, the networking opportunities to to see their businesses grow?
1: It's a great question. We do make a $50,000 capital investment in exchange for an equity position. So their success is our success. We have shared skin in the game. So I think that holds us accountable. But at the end of the day, we're choosing startups that are going to have a strategic impact to our business and the businesses of our external sports partners as well. And so it was a extensive process. We went from a 1,000 applications. And we had to get that down to the 10 companies that were chosen for mm-hmm. our inaugural um, sports tech program that just uh, recently ended. And that was quite a process. I, I don't even want to know exactly what our deal flow team had to do in terms of the underwriting and, and really vetting the market, the viability, all of those types of things to get us to the top 50. But then at that point, we brought in about 90 plus people across our organization, business leaders, um, the sports side, our sports partners as well, and they gave us qualitative and quantitative feedback, really reviewing those applications, looking at the technology. Would it be impactful for the industry? Would it impact their business? Would they want to mentor them? And I think that was probably one of the most important. If they were interested in the technology but weren't raising their hand to be part of that three-month journey with our sports tech founders, then we knew that there wasn't going to be the the real um, strategic fit that we needed. So, That got us down to the top 22, and that's where we went into the selections committee and our sports partners were right along with us. They were there to interview the founders. We asked them all the tough questions about their products, their technology, IP, defensibility, um, really vetted out whether or not they had a business model that could withstand the rigors of a pretty complex sports ecosystem in general. And to really get to know the founders as well, because at the end of the day, Technology and product aside, I think more than anything, you're investing in the founders, you're investing in the team. Are they coachable? Are they going to go into the broad program and leverage every single uh, understanding the nuances, of course, really challenging every single aspect of their business to eliminate those assumptions that might stand in the way of them building a revenue sustainable company.
0: So you had mentioned, you know, this started back in, in 2017. Obviously, the last year has been really unique. Um, have you seen a trend in sports and technology and interest in your program in the health and safety realm?
1: Absolutely. And, and you've mentioned a good point. So the, the origin really started back then, but it was it was a long process of us spending a lot of time with our Olympic teams in general asking all the tough questions, what are the problems we're solving with technology? Uh, were they the right partners to bring into the, the fold here? And so we launched officially uh, January uh, 14th of 2020. And then as we all know, sports went on pause two months later. So uh, it was one of those moments where in the past we used to always say, hey, sports are recession proof, but nothing it seems is COVID proof. And so that was another sort of moment of challenge of, Hey, we, um, do we want to continue to invest and double down on those, those sponsorships, those media rights with this um, accelerator? And I think the, the answer to that was, you know, this doesn't change our strategy at all. It just simply changes the type of technology that we're, look, we're looking at. So one great example of that is when sports started coming back for safety reasons, you can't send a crew of 30 to 40 people to cover a golf tournament. Yet you still need to give that same production quality to now a massive number of golf fans and audiences that are at home craving that same immersive experience. And so hybrid production just became a really big focus of how do you how do you cover at the same level and quality with a much smaller personnel and crew? And technology has been really, really immensely helpful in that area. And GlobalM was one of the reasons we chose them is that you know, they have created this intelligent network for content delivery. They turned the 3.5 billion phones in the world into uh, broadcast quality cameras and have really figured out a way to, um, to bring immersive production together over the internet, not necessarily using satellites for incredible cost savings and a different way of capturing the stories that matter and bringing that to life.
0: You've mentioned really the wide spectrum here of all the different types of technologies and companies and, and you sent me a few examples and I think this really kind of exemplifies how wide the net is and I, I want to ask you specifically about some of them if I can. Um, one of them that is out there, and I've heard some companies, and I've talked to some companies that were doing this, but it seems that you all are trying to solve the if you're in the stadium and you want to upgrade your seat in the stadium, that you have worked with a group that can make that happen for fans um, seamlessly. Can can you talk about that technology as we return to sports?
1: Absolutely, so Deb fantastic team, um, fantastic and simple technology that they've, simple experience, I should say, the technology behind it, not just simple, but really what they're enabling is if you've ever gone to a, um, a stadium and you look down, you think, I wish I'd just gotten that seat down there. That's what Dibs is all about. In under a minute via text message, you can simply call up Dibs. Um, it will give you a visual map of the actual um, stadium or venue. And it'll give you a good, better, best option. You simply select that and then you're off to the payment wall. You pay that off. You have your new virtual ticket and you move to your better seat. And so it was really for us, the simplicity of it, the fact that you don't have to download another app. You don't have to know, do I need the event or venue app? Do I need the team app? Do I need a separate app? It just is, it simplifies that and it makes sure while it may not necessarily bring fans back into the stadium when you are there, as, as more and more people can safely come back to being there live, they can make sure that it is the best and most seamless experience. And if you look at it from the venue property owners, like um, Spectacle, I mentioned the Wells Fargo Center, um, Philadelphia Flyers is an example, they want to make sure that their fans there, their season ticket holders, um, anyone who's new to the sport has the best time possible. And the better your seat is, the more you're likely to stay all the way to the end. You're going to buy some merchandise. You're going to buy um, you know, another um, drink or, or nachos. And so it everyone benefits from that.
0: Okay, so that's the in-stadium experience of technology. You guys have worked in wearables as well, including one that is a skin patch that could improve reaction times for esports players or potentially uh you know, stop accidents from happening in high speed sports like skiing or NASCAR or other sports of that. You discussed that technology that came through the accelerator.
1: Yeah, so Sharper Sense, what a brilliant team behind this. So yes, yeah, to your point, it's wearable neurotechnology. So it really enhances vision and hearing and touch to improve an athlete's performance and definitely safety during training and competition. And we paired them closely with Troy Taylor, with USA ski and snowboard. If you think about the conditions in which their athletes are training, whether that is practicing a new stunt for the half pipe, or the fact that you know even on a single ski run, you can have low light and changing light conditions, um, wind, all of those types of things. So the ability to make sure that you have um, the most um, enhanced sense of of hearing sight and tactile is just really important for learning new tricks, for staying safe out there, for competing in that way. And they really did find an interesting niche within eSports where there are a lot of other sort of um, small footsteps in in those types of things where you have to have really heightened senses to really take in um, and be reactive within the game.
0: So you're basically saying we created something that keeps people in the zone. (laughs) And if you did that, that's the all-time billion-dollar idea if you did that
1: it's the all time billion dollar idea that is applicable everywhere. Like who yeah. would want to have, you know, just it makes you more on your game when you need to be on your game. And so, yeah, this, this patch just sits over the vagus nerve. Um, you, you can feel it actually happening and they're moving into human testing um, here uh, coming up. And it's just, again, this is, this is hard science, um, really um, married with neurotechnology that will, that it's, Very applicable within sports, but frankly, within um, music, the arts, And again, if you just want to have an on day when it matters most, why not?
0: Um, All right. And and this one more that's kind of the broad scope of, of what's going through your accelerator, and it's near and dear to my heart as a career broadcaster, is there's a group that you worked with that made some AI tech that can potentially predict the next play, Um, That is coming up in a sporting event, enabling what what you all are describing as red zone things happening. And obviously, the integration of gaming and gambling is steamrolling downhill throughout the country as legislation changes here. Uh, And it will be more and more incorporated into what you see in the broadcasts. Can you first kind of talk about the technology? And then I am curious about your ideas on, on the trend of gaming and gambling and broadcasting.
1: Yes, absolutely. So in venue, to your point, this is real-time predictive analytics, and it is designed entirely for fan engagement. So it's not about saying, hey, here's something interesting that just happened. This is about what's interesting and what's about to happen, because this is play-by-play insights about what's about to happen next. And so the ability to be able to sort of predict and at that moment to see what the probability is. Um, it allows for all of these nuances to appreciate the sport better, whether you are a newbie to baseball and you want to understand a little bit more about the game itself, or if you are a total stat head who is probably going to be that future sports better and want to have every single bit of insight data when they're placed in those bets. And so they, um, they conducted a live game trial with NBC sports executives in May to really test out and vet those predictive analytics. Showed the capabilities of at bat making a prediction every single time, and this uh-huh. is amazing. They they can look at 300 different predictor elements, and they are working this math in real time uh, applied to uh, baseball. They also have it for NFL as well. And so, to your point, what this could be for our company when it comes to anything from free to play all the way up to really defining and um, the technology running behind our sports betting future ahead this one is a really strong one
0: you know you're going to get some offensive coordinators fired with this you realize that right
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah well you know it's it's a funny it's a funny one too when you talk about you know their go-to-market strategy um, yeah where do you target because there is a lot around uh, recruiting the best players to calling the best next play um, things that you know coaches and teams have a refined um, intuition and skill and expertise around that can only just be enhanced by this type of um, immersive number crunching in real time.
0: Um, all right. So since you're in and around all this stuff and you're kind of at the forefront of what's coming to sports, whether it be through wearable technology or, or broadcasting and content curation for modern fans, I just want to ask you a couple general questions and then I'll let you go. Um, obviously the gambling gaming stuff free to play is fine, but the gambling stuff is still complicated because not every jurisdiction has passed it yet. And so I think it complicates it for the leagues and the teams and the broadcasters for that matter to figure out how to incorporate it. Um, what is your sense of a timeline for where we will actually see this type of content being integrated more into the first screen experience?
1: Uh, it's an excellent question. I think, um, I think it's one that everyone's grappling with and it's it's better answered by, you know, our NBC sports team. But they have thought strategically about um, everything from wagertainment, which just really gives you a better appreciation for the Um, other things you might want to wager on around sort of the lifestyle of athletes and things like that that can pull in fans that wouldn't necessarily um, be as drawn into the sport if not for that all the way up to somebody who is going to be that fat head and is going to want to have every single piece of data and insight. Um, you know, you look at uh, uh, Spectacore in particular, one of the things they were interested in was Sonar Company. Um, and they used this ultrasonic technology to basically turn um, a speaker or anything in the venue into a um, transmitter of information. So you could actually imagine that a fan going by um, the sports betting lounge it invites them in and offers them different and unique prop lines. Again, it's just an amazing way to pull you into the venue. So I think that's where it, there's great money to be had there. There's great potential. And it's, it's, when it's done most elegantly, I think it will allow for different fan types to find a way to get into a game.
0: Okay. Last one. Um, and let's go back to just technology for athlete performance. Um, I, this may be too vague of a question and all these skills and athletic abilities are, are different clearly in all the different skill sets that they're in. But are you seeing a trend from athletes saying there is a problem we would like kind of universally solved to help us perform better?
1: I think in general, um, anything that gives them more insights personalized to, personalize to- the nuances of their body, how it's recovering, how it's reacting to training. That's always gonna be um and the more personalized it is, that's always gonna be um craved on the athlete side. I do think it's really fascinating. Um if you look at golf some of the um Rory McElroy and others have opted to share, you know, their heart rate from the Whoop device and things like that. Mm. Again, going back to forward setting um, just a reminder that, yeah, um, their heart starts racing the same way (laughs) that Mm -hmm. you imagine you when when that putt is on the line. So I I think anything that helps also with mental wellness, Um, you know, there's so much around sleep and recovery, but when you are, when you have trained, you put so much on the line for this big moment. I think about, you know, our team USA hopefuls and the fact that they have been delayed, a year in their training and their training is designed to peak at this, the perfect moment. Um, I had to figure out how to extend that safely, not get injured and again, be prepared. And so much of that happens in live competition that you just get used to that feeling of everything at stake. And so anything I think that can help with, um, the mental preparation of athletes that really kind of spans a not just physical and wellness, but um, the whole athlete picture.
0: Jenna Karath is the head of the Comcast NBC Universal Sport Tech Accelerator. Thank you so much for joining us, Jenna.
1: Thank you, it's been a pleasure.
0: On the next Future Sport Podcast, the pandemic gave secondary ticket markets a lot of time to rethink what fans will want when the doors reopen. And it was really everything around how do you both decide how you're going to bring fans back through how do you sell those tickets in a way that you know makes sense to fans and then how do you you know at actual event day, game day, how do you bring them in safely and so the first thing we worked on was really uh, how to create a socially distanced venue manifest. That's Eric Waller, Chief Product Officer and one of the founders of SeatGeek who are happy that the pandemic is getting behind us and they've got some new toys for you and I to play with. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.